Hello, Real Life family and friends. Welcome to Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to all of you out there who are watching who might be fathers or grandfathers and to others who are watching or aren't a father. I uh, hope that you're honoring your dad and your granddads today and just uh, appreciating who they are. You know, I've had a lot of different roles in my life. Um, I still have a lot of roles in my life, but been a teacher, uh, husband, coach, I'm uh, a pastor um, and, you know, a brother, but one of my favorite roles in life, honestly, is to be a father. It is such a great privilege um, to have children and to have the responsibility to help shape them and pour into them and to help them see who they're made to be in God. And it is just such a rewarding uh, role that God has given me and so many of us and uh, I am so thankful for the father that I've had. You know, um, a lot of us though haven't had great fathers growing up. I have. I've had uh, a great father my whole life, and, of course, and um, uh, I have a great father-in-law. But today I want to just share with you a few minutes at, at the outset as we celebrate Father's Day together who your Heavenly Father is to you and to me. We both, I'm talking to you, you know, at this time, we both have an amazing father, a heavenly father who is there for us and loves us. And really at the core essence of who we are, each and every one of us, we need to discover our heavenly father's qualities and his viewpoint of us, not our earthly fathers. Even if we've had a great earthly father or if we haven't even had a, uh, a present earthly father or, a, or maybe we've had just a horrible, evil, terrible earthly father, we cannot let those things determine our security and our view of our value of who we are. We need to see that and get that and experience that from our Heavenly Father. So I want to take a couple minutes before I continue our series today on the Holy Spirit, Spirit Living, talking about our Heavenly Father. And here's just a few things. If you are a father, I want to challenge you to take these qualities, get them from God, and embody them to your family, uh, to your kids, and to your grandkids. But this is for all of us to know and be reminded that this is who our Heavenly Father is. So our Heavenly Father helps us. And I've got a list of, uh, I don't know, 10 or so, maybe a little bit more than that, things that our Heavenly Father helps us with. He helps us to feel safe and secure. You are safe in His hands. You are secure in God. One verse that uh, kind of embodies this is Proverbs 2.8. says, God guards the course of the just and protects the way of His faithful ones. And God, He loves you. He is there for you and he uh he will protect you and watch over you you are safe in your heavenly father's arms you are secure in him you do not need to be afraid he is with you he's for you another one is that our heavenly father helps us to be provided for jesus puts it this way in matthew 6 33 seek first his kingdom and his righteousness okay in other words put yourself under your heavenly Father's protection and provision. Put yourself into His hands, okay? If you're, if you're running from God, you're not coming under His, 
his hand of provision. But when you submit your life to him and you seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, Jesus says, all these things will be given to you as well. You, you won't have to worry about what you wear, what you eat, where you live. Your heavenly father will provide all of these things to you if you entrust your life to him, seeking him first, seeking his righteousness first. Amen? And that's what we do. He is our provider. God will provide. He has blessed me. He, he has blessed you with life and so many good things. And as we entrust every area of our life to him, he is trustworthy. Okay? Our Heavenly Father helps us to feel loved and special. You are special to God. You're not just a number. You're not just another person uh, out there uh, that he glances at once in a while. The, the Bible says you are loved and you are special in God's eyes. I love this verse out of Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 6. And uh, Moses is recording this and God is saying this, For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be his people, his treasured possession. And God really wants you, your Heavenly Father really wants you to have that sense that he has picked you out of the crowd, that you are special, that you are his treasured possession, that his eyes are on you, his compassion is towards you, his mercy is towards you, his grace is towards you. And you say, but yeah, but if, if, that, if that's for everybody, how does it make me feel special? Well, I don't, I don't you know, as a parent, you, you know, you love every single one of your kids with everything that you got. And God does that with you and with me. So you are not unnoticed. You are not just uh, an average, you know, human being. You are special to God. You really are. So am I, but so are you. So are each one of us. Uh, and so your Heavenly Father knows you. He notices you. He loves you. And you are His treasured possession. Also, our Heavenly Father helps us to to be taught and equipped. God, um, I love this about uh, when I see good fathers, I see fathers who are training their kids, who are equipping their kids, who are pouring into their kids to, to help them be a success. They're teaching them about life. They're teaching them about all kinds of things, giving them skills and challenging their brains and challenging their, their, themselves to keep growing and get better. I love that. And God does that for you and for me as well. There's a verse in Psalm 32, 8, where God says, I will instruct you and teach you the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Don't you love that? So our Heavenly Father has His loving eye on us, on you. He's guiding you. He's teaching you. He's showing you the way to go. He's counseling you. And uh, I just think this is awesome. This is beautiful. This is what a, a good father does as he trains and teaches and encourages his children. He helps them and equips them to be successful. Also, our Heavenly Father helps us to be cheered and supported. I love to see fathers cheering on their kids, supporting their kids, and being there with them. And God is there with you in life. Psalm 54, 4 says, Surely God is my help. The Lord is the one who sustains me. And there needs to be in our heart this awareness that God is with me. He's for me. And, and of course, we're talking about the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is in me. His presence is with me wherever I go. God is here. He's cheering me on. He's supporting me. He's, he's my biggest cheerleader, right? 
He's sustaining me. He's giving me everything I need. When I need a helping hand, He strengthens my hand. He strengthens me. He guides me. It's just awesome. This is who your heavenly Father is. Now, maybe your earthly Father hasn't always been there for you or even believed in you or cheered you on or equipped you or taught you or hasn't shown love to you. Maybe your, heavenly, your earthly Father uh, wasn't, uh, didn't create an environment of safety to you. Maybe it's just the opposite. You felt ridiculed or threatened or unsafe. Or maybe um, there was just a, a, a roller coaster of, of activities in your life and there wasn't that security. But that's not who your Heavenly Father is. He, he, is, he loves you. He's for you. He guides us. He equips us. He cheers us on. He's with us at all times. Another area that our Heavenly Father helps us in is to be comforted. 2 Corinthians 1.3 says, Praise be to God, the Father and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. He comforts us. You can turn to your Heavenly Father no matter what you're going through. And He's not going to just turn a blind eye to your pain or your hurt. He's not going to... Um, be indifferent to you and not care about it. He's going to show you compassion. And I believe comfort comes from God. True comfort comes from God. He is the father of compassion and the God of all comfort. And he cares about us. He notices us. He knows our pain. And he's there to comfort us and to help us in those times. Our Heavenly Father helps us to have fun to experience joy and laughter. And I think it's just a healthy thing for us as families to create an environment of joy and fun and laughter, right? It shouldn't be all business and all duty and all hard work, but uh, we should be showing our kids how to laugh and how to have fun and how to play and uh, to enjoy life. And I love this verse out of Zephaniah 3.17. It says, The Lord our, your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. And we get this picture of God delighting in us and singing with us. And almost like I get a picture of a dad grabbing a little girl and swinging her around and dancing with her and laughing and having just a joyful relationship. And that's who God is for you and for me. God loves us. He's, he delights over us. Uh, laughter, joy, goodness, all those things have come from God. God created all of those wonderful emotions for us to enjoy. Also, our Heavenly Father helps us to see um, strength and gentleness. Our God uh, models, our Heavenly Father models strength and gentleness at the same time. I think these are such good qualities for earthly fathers and grandfathers to embody. Strength with gentleness, right? Isaiah 40 verses 10 and 11 says, See, the sovereign Lord comes with power, and he rules with a mighty arm. He sees his reward is with him, and his recompense accompanies him. And in the same breath, the next sentence it says, He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. So we see this sovereign Lord with power, ruling with a mighty arm. He, he's strong. He's, he's, um, he's all powerful. And yet he scoops up 
the lambs in his arms, holds them close to his heart like a shepherd. He cares for us. He cares for us. And that's how we are to be as you know, earthly fathers, strong, um, able to defend and protect, uh, strong in our leadership, strong in our conviction, strong in our love for God and our modeling of that, but gentle and kind and patient with, with our children, with our family, with people. God also helps us to see, and he models for us, passion with wisdom. And we should be passionate people, zealous people, right? But with wisdom, with the wisdom from God. Proverbs 2, 7 says that God stores up sound wisdom for the upright. And he is a shield to those who walk uprightly. And so God provides for us wisdom. We can tap into wisdom today. And of course, all of these qualities are going to be found through the Holy Spirit, the indwelling Holy Spirit in us. A couple more. God models for us faithfulness with patience. Deuteronomy 32.4 says, God, He is the rock. His works are perfect and all His ways are just. He's a faithful God who does no wrong. Upright and just is He. God is faithful and He's patient with us. And as, as men, as fathers and grandfathers, we need to be faith. We need to model faithfulness uh, to our kids and to our family. Faithfulness and patience. Finally, um, God models to us um, courage and compassion, right? Courage and compassion. Isaiah 30, 18, yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Therefore, he will rise up to show you compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice, and blessed are all who wait for him. We need to be courageous in what we do, but compassionate to other people. And so, as I look at these, I think about these are things that I appreciate, that I need, and I desperately long for from my Heavenly Father. I need these things. I need to know I'm safe, I'm secure, everything's going to be all right. I need to feel loved and special. I need, to, I need to know that God's in my corner and he's backing me up and he's going to train me and equip me and give me everything that I need, that I can trust in him because he's faithful and he's passionate, but there's wisdom in, in his passion and in his zeal, that I can trust his wisdom, that I can see that he's patient with me and all these things. I can reach out to him for compassion and, and it's fun. he's fun and he's um, and uh, my life is, can be joyful and filled with good things, right? These are all the things I desire. These are all the things that I want, you know, and, and I need to discover from my Heavenly Father. But these are also the things that I want to be for my kids and for my grandkids. And you know what I've realized is we cannot, I cannot give what I don't have. And so these things I need to get from God. I need through the Holy Spirit to develop such a meaningful, deep, personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. That's how I access these qualities of, of my Heavenly Father. And when I'm secure in God, when I'm loved by God, when these things are, are embedded in me in my relationship with God, then I can be that and create that for my kids and for people around me. And so this is why it's so important that we are studying spirit living. How do we have this deep, personal, meaningful 
relationship with the Holy Spirit. How do we do that? Because if we could do that, we will, we will have a new power, right? To not live a self-centered life, a prideful life, a sinful life, a life of striving and straining for meaning and significance and some sort of, uh, you know, satisfaction in this world. But we find all of that in God himself. And now we are becoming new in him. We're living a new life, this new victorious life that the Holy Spirit makes possible through what Jesus Christ has done for you and for me. And so that's what I want to challenge you to. If you're a father or grandfather, I've got a, I've got a uh, challenge for you. And it's to strive to receive all these qualities that we just outlined from your heavenly father so that you can embody them as a father to your kids and as a grandfather to your grandkids. And you can only really do that by knowing and developing a great relationship with the Holy Spirit. Do your kids feel safe and secure? Are your kids provided for, not just physically and financially, but emotionally, you know, relationally? Are your kids uh, feeling loved and special? Are your kids getting what they need to be a success from you? Coaching and teaching and encouraging and cheering on. Are they being comforted, supported? You know, is there fun and laughter and joy in your home and in your relationship with your kids? Are you modeling strength with gentleness? passion with wisdom, courage and compassion? Are you modeling faithfulness and patience to your children? Are you modeling a life being lived in the fullness of the Holy Spirit? So those are just reflective questions to think about because well, I'm not trying to put pressure on any of us. We're all doing the best we can. But I am definitely trying to challenge each and every one of us to live a life filled with the Holy Spirit. I believe that we'll be better fathers, better mothers, better individuals, better in every area of our life if we are living more through the Spirit than we are through ourselves. If we are living more and depending more on the power of God in us than our own power. If we're relying more on the wisdom of God for us instead of our own wisdom and our own ideas and our own opinions. I am convinced that the Holy Spirit is the presence and the power of God for you and for me today to live this new supernatural life in Christ Jesus. That's why we're spending time talking about spirit living. So let's continue on with our series. Last week I talked about how the Holy Spirit is our helper. Parakletos is the Greek word there, which means our aid or legal defense or helper. Some Bible translations use the word comforter, or counselor, or advocate. These are all good words describing, you know, in a, in a way, the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And we saw that the Holy Spirit helps us to live this new life in Jesus. There's a great um, passage of Scripture in Titus, chapter 2, I want to read for you. This is in verses 11 to 14. It says, For the grace of God, and I'm associating this with the, the filling of the Holy Spirit, okay? For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. So Jesus came, he made a way of salvation for us, but through the Holy Spirit, salvation is still taking place in us through the work of the Holy Spirit. 
Now, salvation is not just the forgiveness of sins, and I say not just like that's not a big deal. It is a big deal. The forgiveness of sins, yeah, that's a big deal. Being born again, being set free from the bondage of sin, uh, of course, yes, but it's more than that. That's my point. Salvation is more than being forgiven. It's also being delivered from evil, and it's also being equipped or empowered to live a new life. So that we can be healed emotionally, healed physically, uh, healed mentally, um, and we can live a life of freedom. And so salvation is an ongoing work for the Christian, not whether or not we're going to go to heaven. No, that is settled as soon as we place our faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior. We're on our way to heaven. That's not, a, that's not the issue. The issue is... Um, is the rest of our life being redeemed and restored and conformed back into the image of Christ. That's called sanctification, but it's also the process of salvation because we're being saved out of an old lifestyle. We're being saved from old hurts, old addictions, old labels, and old pain. We're being saved, healed, made whole from all of those things. And so, Titus says, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us, the Holy Spirit teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. So is the Holy Spirit is the power of God in us, the presence of God in us, to teaching us to say no to sin and yes to a godly life. I mean, literally changing everything right and it says while we wait for the blessed hope excuse me so the, the the blessed hope is this the appearing of the glory of our great god and savior jesus christ who gave himself for us listen to this to redeem us from all wickedness pull us out of that old life all wickedness and to purify, so I'm going to this side now, to a different life, to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. So, so the process of salvation is coming out of the old and learning how to walk in the new, and that's what the Holy Spirit does. He empowers us to do that. One attitude, one thought, one area of our life at a time. Nope, that's not who we are. Yep, that's who you are. Nope, we're not doing that anymore. This is what we're doing instead. Why? Because this leads to death and the new life in Christ leads to life, fullness, freedom, peace, and all those good things, right? So that's why the Holy Spirit's doing that because we are better when we are living like Jesus, when we're being like Jesus. That's our destiny. That's who we're called to be. Romans 8.29 says, For those God foreknew, He also predestined, to be conformed to the image of his son. That's what God's doing in your life right now. He is forming, transforming, conforming you back into the image of his son, into Jesus, so that you are full, full of life, right? You're emptied of sin, you're emptied of that hurt, you're emptied of that insecurity and all that brokenness. So the Holy Spirit is the presence and power of God that enables us to experience a victorious Christian life. Yeah. So this is what happened in Acts chapter 2, verses 16 to 17, when we're talking about the coming of the Holy Spirit. We are now living in the day in which the Holy Spirit lives in us. Wow. 
What an amazing thing. So in Acts chapter 2, Peter gets up, and after the Holy Spirit was filling all the apostles and the believers, um, he says this, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And he quotes this prophecy from many years previous that the people were waiting for. And here it is. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Peter got up and said, this is that. This is that which the prophet Joel spoke of. Look at this. The presence of God, the Holy Spirit, has now been poured out on all people. Because we are living in this day and age in which now the Holy Spirit is being poured out on all people, we have a new power to live a new life in Him. Hallelujah! This is what I'm challenging everyone to do, is to learn how to live filled with the Holy Spirit. If you haven't experienced the fullness of the Holy Spirit yet, ask God. The promise is for you, and it's for your children, and it's for all to whom God has called to Himself. There isn't anybody who's excluded from the gift of the promised Holy Spirit because it's God's destiny for you to live with us and in us, to empower us to a new life in Him. And we all need to live this new life through the power of the Holy Spirit. Ezekiel chapter 36 was an, uh, another prophecy that this was going to happen. Verses 26 to 28, God said through the prophet Ezekiel to the people, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and I will give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit in you. And when that happens, God says, and will move you to follow my decrees and to be careful to keep my laws. So the Holy Spirit has come to live inside of us to move us to follow God, to empower us to live out his laws, not rules, but the things, the principles of life that breed life in us. Righteousness always leads to life. Wickedness always leads to death. And because we were unable in our own power to break free from wickedness, to break free from the patterns of sin ingrained in our sinful nature, God gave us himself a new power, the Holy Spirit, who through Jesus, the old was snapped off and broken off. But now we have a new power too to live this new life. That's what we've been talking about through the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit teaches us and guides us into the fullness of Christ. So I want to pick up on this thought by reading a couple verses uh, out of John that Jesus is speaking. So John 14, 26, he says, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things. Will teach you all things and remind you of everything I've said. So Jesus promises this. He says, when the Holy Spirit, the Advocate, the Comforter, the Helper, when he comes, which he has now come, what well, one of the things he will do, Jesus said, is he will teach you all things. Wow, I mean, this is amazing. So the Holy Spirit in us is now our teacher, and he will teach us all things. Now, really, what are these all things about? Well, these all things are really teaching us who we are, who Jesus is, 
who our new identity in Jesus is, who we are, because we are familiar with the old self. We're familiar with a sin-based life, with these sin-based labels and pains and behaviors. But we need to be trained in the new life that God has for us. And so Jesus says, when he comes, he will teach you all things, all things pertaining to life, all things pertaining to our new identity in him. So in other words, to really access this whole new life in him, we absolutely need the fullness of the Holy Spirit because that's who does that. It's the Holy Spirit. It's not our natural selves teaching ourselves. The Bible says, no, 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 no. It's not coming from man. It's not coming from you. It is coming straight from God. The Spirit of God is the one who teaches us who we are in Christ. And so the Holy Spirit will teach us. And then he also says this statement in John 16, 13. But when he, the Spirit of truth, remember this is one of the names of the Holy Spirit, is the Spirit of truth. When he comes, he will guide you into all truth. So he will teach us all things and he will guide us into all truth. I mean, this is, a, this is amazing. This is, who God, um, this is who God is. The Holy Spirit is in us. He's going to teach us all things and guide us into all truth. So if we are living in the Holy Spirit, if we are accessing the Holy Spirit, we can access everything that we need to know and all the truth, what is true in which direction to go and how to live this life of fullness in him. We can't do it without him. Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. But in him or abiding in him, all things are possible. And now we see that the Holy Spirit is abiding in us. And if we tune into the Holy Spirit, we develop this relationship and we learn how to listen to the Holy Spirit. We learn how to pay attention. Uh, we learn how to sense what he's saying or doing or moving or teaching us. If we can learn how to do that, we will be growing um, into truth and growing into who we really are and be filled with all the goodness that God has for us. I mean, it's just a great adventure God has for you and for me. And so Jesus said these things. And then, of course, we have this phrase here when he's talking to his disciples in John chapter 8, 31 and 32. And he tells them, if you hold to my teachings, if you can keep these teachings, if you will throw yourself into this lifestyle of teachings, you are really my disciples, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And of course, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is the Spirit of truth. He will guide us into all truth, and that truth sets us free. It sets us free from uh, limitations, from hurts and past uh, labels. It sets us free from who other people have said that we are. And now we're going to walk into who God says that we are. And we're going to experience what God says we should be experiencing. And we can live and walk into health and joy and peace and we can have security, right? We can have compassion and comfort in God. We can have everything we've ever longed for and needed in Him through the revelations that come by abiding in the Holy Spirit as He teaches us and guides us into truth. And so that's really um, what I wanted to leave with you today. And I want to just give you a little bit of encouragement. When we look at Paul, we think of one of the greatest um, men of God, models 
uh, greatest apostles, evangelists of all time. And even Paul put it this way in Philippians chapter 3. Even Paul is describing that he's still in the process of growing and becoming more of who God's called him to be. He says this in Philippians chapter 3, verses uh, 12 to 14. He says, Not that I have already obtained all this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, listen to this, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I'm pressing on. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul is painting a picture here that there is a pursuit in the Christian, in you and me, in our lives. There is a process, there is a pursuit of more, right? And this more, this, this prize that he talks about is eternal life in Christ. But this eternal life in Christ begins not when we die, but the moment that we place our faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. The, the, the eternal life begins at that moment, not when we die. And so from the moment that we profess faith in Jesus until the moment that we do die, there is a process of us accessing more and more of the promises of God. It's a pursuit. It's a lifelong pursuit of transformation into the likeness of Christ. And Paul, probably one of the greatest, you know, let's just say it, the greatest Christian men of all time, is, is admitting, I'm still not there either, but I am gaining ground and I am pursuing and I'm chasing and striving for more and more and more. And we do that through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the means by which we grow in maturity in Christ, in which things are revealed to us and changed in us. And what I love about the Holy Spirit, what Jesus says about the Holy Spirit in John chapter 16, verses 14 and 15, he says, He, the Holy Spirit, will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. And so Jesus has been given everything from the Father. And the Holy Spirit receives from Jesus and he gives to you and to me. He takes the truths and he imparts them into us. He takes the love and he imparts that into us. He takes you know, the wisdom and he imparts that into us. And so the Holy Spirit is only doing what Jesus is saying for him to do and placing inside of us the image of Christ. He is glorifying Jesus. He's bringing us to a place of fullness in Jesus. And so Paul writes of this in Ephesians chapter 3. And he prays this prayer and he says, For this reason I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. And I pray that out of his glorious riches, and I'm praying this for you right now, and I pray out of his glorious riches that he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power 
together with all the Lord's people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Paul prays this prayer over you and over me today. We pray that prayer over one another. But do you see it's from the power, through the power of the Spirit in you, releasing these truths so that you come to the full fullness of God, that you come to the fullness of Christ. So it's the Holy Spirit working in our inner being, developing these ideas and releasing these truths and embodying them into our spirit. And we become more and more like Christ. We experience the fullness of God. Yes, it's awesome. And so we see the determined purpose of God is to form Christ in you. He does this through the word, through the church, and through his spirit. His spirit breathes life into the word. His spirit breathes, uh, breathes gifts through the church. And his spirit is in you personally to teach you and to guide you into all truth. I want to finish by challenging you to develop your relationship with the Holy Spirit. How do we do that? How do we connect with God? Well, I believe we do it by, by putting ourselves into the places of worship, prayer, and Bible reading and studying. When we worship and when we pray and when we're seeking the truth out of God's word, we are heightening um, our relationship with the Holy Spirit and we're seeking him and we're putting our mind in a place to hear him better, to, to listen to him better. And we're not meant to just live life on our own and then just have moments here or there where we're religious or we go to a church service or we do something spiritual. But we are to learn how to engage our mind into the Holy Spirit all the time. But it really helps during times of worship and prayer and reading the Bible. That's when I hear God the most and the most frequently and the most clearly is when I'm in worship and I'm in prayer and I'm reading the word and I'm asking God to speak to me. So I wanna challenge you to do that in Romans 8, verses five to six, let me finish with this passage. Those who live according to the sinful nature, they simply have their mind set on what that nature desires. Their mind is just tuned into that, okay? But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. So our mind can be dialed in to the Holy Spirit or it can be dialed in to our sinful nature. It's quite simple. What are we focusing on? What are we giving our mind to? What are we thinking about? What are we dwelling on? And so the challenge obviously is to shift from our sinful nature, our worldly desires, our passions over here to what is God doing? What is God saying? Who, what is the Holy Spirit wanting to happen? And it goes on to say the mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. May your mind be controlled by the Spirit this week. May you experience life and peace in Him. And may you develop and deepen your relationship with the Holy Spirit so that He can teach you all things and He can guide you into all truth. So you can live a life of freedom and fullness in Him. Cry out to God this week. Cry out for more. 
Seek Him. Strive forward, forgetting what lies behind, and strain forward, going after more of God. You'll find it when you really seek the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Let me pray for you today. God, I thank you for my friend who's watching right now. And I just pray for the indwelling of your spirit to be strengthened in them today. This week, help us all, Lord, to seek you, to turn our minds onto you, to dial our minds into what your desires are. Help us to commune with you in worship and prayer and reading the word that we can hear your voice. We can be led, we can be taught, we can be equipped by you on how to live a victorious Christian life. Lord, may you bless each one of us today. Bless our families as we celebrate Father's Day. Bless our fathers and our grandfathers, Lord, for being great leaders in our lives. And may you continue to anoint them to be everything that we need them to be in our families. We pray your blessings on them today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace in his name. Amen. Amen.